A barely conscious Joe Biden gives a completely disconnected and discombobulated State of the Union address. And we will go through every excruciating detail. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Do you like your web history being seen and sold to advertisers? No? Me neither. Get ExpressVPN right now at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Speaking of which, did you know that when you start browsing in incognito mode, you're not actually incognito? If you read that fine print, what you will see is that it says your activity might still be visible to your employer or your school or your ISP. How can they even call that incognito? Here's the thing. If you actually want to not show your internet activity to apparently everyone on Earth, you need to use ExpressVPN. Think about all the times you've used Wi-Fi at a coffee shop or a hotel, even at your parents' house. Without ExpressVPN, every site you visit could be logged by the admin of that network. That is true even if you are in incognito mode. I mean, do you really want your parents or anybody else to see what you are doing online? What's more, your home internet provider can also see and record your browsing data in the U.S. They are legally allowed to sell that data to advertisers. Plus, hackers can get access as well. ExpressVPN stops all that. It's an app that encrypts all your network data and reroutes it through a network of secure servers so your private online activity stays just that, private. ExpressVPN works on all your devices. It is super duper easy to use. The app literally has one button. You tap it to connect. Your browsing activity is secure from prying eyes. So stop letting strangers invade your online privacy. Protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Use my link at expressvpn.com slash Ben to get three extra months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben to learn more. I've been using ExpressVPN myself for years to protect my online activity. If I'm doing it, why shouldn't you? Go check them out right now. ExpressVPN dot com slash Ben to learn more and get three extra months for free. Okay, so last night, Joe Biden gave his first official State of the Union address. It ran just a little over 70 minutes, and it was terrible. I mean, really bad. Now, you would expect me to say that, right? But here is the thing. The man can't speak anymore. He's gone. He's completely gone. It was so bad that last night, The Daily Show, Trevor Noah's Daily Show, tweeted out a picture of your phone when it's completely low on charge, you know, that graphic of the of the little red line at the bottom of the battery symbol and then the plug that needs to be plugged in because he was gone. He just wasn't there. And it turns out most of our leaders aren't there because they're all really old and they're kind of decrepit and they're kind of stupid. (laughs) And these are the people who are leading us through a crisis. So the speech was discombobulated. It was completely disconnected. It had nothing to do with reality. It was an alternative universe speech. It was the kind of thing that Ron Klain probably wrote after reading about all of his great successes on Twitter.com from all the blue checks who make their living by sucking up to people like Ron Klain. I'm not sure many Americans felt heartened by Joe Biden's speech. What he had to say on Ukraine is probably the best part of his speech, but the rest of it was really pretty much just garbage. And again, the, the big kind of sights and sounds from last night were not flattering to our nation's leadership class. First of all, let me just say this when it comes to the State of the Union. I've always said I think the State of the Union is a monarchic holdover. It's a garbage institution. There's no reason why we should be doing it. I said this when Trump was president, when Obama was president, and now when Joe Biden is president. The, the spectacle of the president of the United States descending like a king into the legislature to the loud cheers and applause of the elected leadership of our legislative branch, which is supposed to be the primary branch in the United States, I always thought it was silly. Not only do I think it's silly, I think it's wildly counterproductive. If ever I were elected president, God forbid, the first thing that I would do during the State of the Union is I would just send a letter to Congress saying the State of the Union is read the news, go screw yourself. That, that would be my State of the Union address because it's so stupid. And by the way, that's what George Washington used to do. He used to actually just send a letter to Congress informing them on the State of the Union, and that was it. And now it's become this whole long speech we're supposed to pretend to care about. So let's start with Joe Biden not being coherent because he is not. And if you are a leader on the world stage, let's say you're Vladimir Putin or let's say you're Xi Jinping, let's say you're an opposing leader, somebody who looks at the United States and sees the possibility of gain. Do you find this man intimidating? Do you think of this human being as somebody who is going to stand up to you? I mean, it doesn't even look like he can stand up at all, let alone stand up to you. Here's just a quick montage of some of Joe Biden's worst flubs last night. And listen, reading a teleprompter badly, it's not a crime. But blowing it as badly as Joe Biden did over and over and over last night, that certainly doesn't look good in the most watched speech that you will give all year long for president of the United States. Here is Joe Biden screwing it up multiple times last night. Because you can't build a wall high enough to keep out a, 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 a vaccine. The vaccine can stop the spread. It's time to see... The, the what used to be called the Rust Belt become 
the, 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 the home of, of, of significant resurgence of manufacturing. Putin may circle Kyiv with tanks, but he'll never gain the hearts and souls of the Iranian people. Preventing Russia's central bank from defending the Russell ruble. Yeah, man, it was going great last night. Uh, the, the Uranian slip right there where he says that, that Vladimir Putin can never defeat the souls of the Iranians. Even Kamala Harris in the background, she softly muttered to herself, Ukrainian, when Kamala Harris is correcting you and Kamala Harris is no great shakes, as we'll get to later on in the show, then you know that things are going wildly wrong. Meanwhile, who's the rest of our leadership class? Well, the Speaker of the House of Representatives is that decrepit squirrel sitting just behind Joe Biden. Uh, and uh, there was a very odd moment when Joe Biden was talking about burn pits and U.S. soldiers and cancer. And she sort of gets up and does something no one knows what she's doing. Is it a dance? Is it some sort of is it some sort of signal? What, what what exactly is Nancy Pelosi doing here? And our troops in Iraq have faced in Afghanistan have faced many dangers. One being stationed at bases, breathing in toxic smoke from burn pits. <laughs> many of you have been there. So we've got a few choices here: cocaine-addled squirrel, knitting without knitting needles, wild excitement at burn pits. Don't know what she's doing. Not sure what Nancy Pelosi thinks she's doing here. So she's the other great leader. She's third in lines of the presidency. So, I mean, on that day, as you have the president of the United States, who is no longer with us, you have Kamala Harris, who's the worst politician in modern history. And you have Nancy Pelosi, who randomly gets up at the sound of burn pits and starts going like this. So things are going. And then out in the audience, you have the Senate Majority Leader, Chuck Schumer, who um, had an awkward moment where Joe Biden was talking about something and people start booing. And Chuck Schumer thinks that he's supposed to get up and clap. And so we end up with this hilarious hokey pokey. The American Rescue Plan. The American Rescue Plan helped working people and left no one behind. False start. Five-yard penalty. First down. (laughs) It's so good. He gets up, he gets down, he gets up, he gets down. Man, he's doing the Harlem shuffle over there is, is Chuck Schumer. So this is our nation's leadership class. So things were just, they were primed, man. This, these are the best, this is the best and brightest America has to offer. If you think we're not a nation in decay, just look at the fact that everybody who runs this country has an IQ of 80 or is 80 or both. That, that, that is who runs this country now. Okay, so let's go to the beginning of Joe Biden's rip-roaring speech. So he started off with a celebration. He says, last year, COVID-19 kept us apart, but things have changed. Things have changed. Last year, COVID-19 kept us apart. This year, we're finally together again. Okay, well, I mean, to be technical about it, last year, COVID-19 did not keep us apart. Your stupid policies kept us apart. You will return to COVID-19 in a little while because, again, it was just a lot of double talk, a lot of lies, a lot of kind of overt falsehoods from the president of the United States. He really began his speech with about 12 minutes on Ukraine, which you understand that is the leading conflict on planet Earth right now. It's a pretty terrifying conflict, given the fact that Vladimir Putin has put his nuclear forces on alert. And the fact that Vladimir Putin boxed in is probably more dangerous than Vladimir Putin not boxed in, in terms of the possibility of a broader conflict or even the possibility of a tactical use of nuclear weapons. So you understand why Joe Biden took a lot of time with it. Also, from a political point of view, you understand why Joe Biden took a lot of time with it, because the Ukraine situation is the situation where he looks the least bad. See, the thing is that when it comes to Joe Biden and Ukraine, the way that Joe Biden blew it is in the run-up to the invasion of Ukraine. After the invasion of Ukraine, the world basically snapped into place. Because what other choice did they have? I mean, Vladimir Putin had invaded a sovereign country on the borders of Europe, a country that had been making overtures toward joining the West and wanting to remain independent of Russian influence. And so everybody sort of snapped too. And then Joe Biden jumped in front of that parade and he said, well, I'm leading the parade. Okay, but the reality is that Joe Biden's failure all was the the lead up to what happened in Ukraine, to Vladimir Putin's miscalculation. If Joe Biden had said straight up to Vladimir Putin, here's what's going to happen if you invade Ukraine. All of your economy belong to us. We're going to just destroy your economy. You'll be gone. You'll be cut off from the world financial system forever. If he had said to Vladimir Putin, we're going to be shipping as much material as we can into the Ukrainian government. If he had said that back channel, maybe Vladimir Putin doesn't go in. Okay, so all of the failures were in the lead up, not necessarily on the back end. In any case, this is the part where Joe Biden looks the best because 
After all, to a certain extent, foreign policy stops at water's edge when you're fighting off a dictator thug like Vladimir Putin. The American people basically agree that we need to be very harsh on Vladimir Putin and that we need to stop him. For all the talk about how there's a large contingent of people who are, who are pro-Putin or who are sympathetic to Putin, the polls demonstrate that less than 3% of the American public actually believes we are doing too much to stop Vladimir Putin at this point. So, so Joe Biden welcomes the Ukrainian ambassador to the United States, to the State of the Union, because, again, the State of the Union is filled with this sort of silly thing that we do where we bring in people and we're like, and here's Bob. Bob is the best. Bob, stand up and take a bow. So he brought in the Ukrainian ambassador to the United States, and he, uh, and he said that if we cheer really loud for Ukraine, then Ukraine will survive. It's sort of like Tinkerbell. Let each of us, if you're able to stand, stand and send an unmistakable signal to the world of Ukraine. Thank you. Yes. We, the United States of America, stand with the Ukrainian people. Okay, I mean, all of that is well and good. Meanwhile, as we'll be discussing, Vladimir Putin is basically leveling Ukrainian cities. So Joe Biden continued along these lines. He talked about Vladimir Putin's attack on Ukraine, and he properly said that it was premeditated and unprovoked, which is correct. Here is Joe Biden last night on Ukraine. Again, this was the best part of his speech. Putin's latest attack on Ukraine was premeditated and totally unprovoked. He rejected repeated, repeated efforts at diplomacy. He thought the West and NATO wouldn't respond. He thought he could divide us at home in this chamber, in this nation. He thought he could divide us in Europe as well. But Putin was wrong. We are ready. We are united, and that's what we did. We stayed united. We prepared extensively and carefully. Well, that part is not true. That last part where he says we prepared extensively and carefully, that is just not true. I mean, the president of the United States had a full press conference in which he said just the tip, where he said that if there was a minor incursion, probably nothing would happen. He suggested that NATO was divided over reaction to Vladimir Putin's invasion. And he suggested that there was generalized Western weakness with regard to Vladimir Putin and a broader scale invasion. And so Vladimir Putin miscalculated. And that miscalculation, again, was led by the West, which was not clear about the consequences. See, this is the thing. In order for deterrence to work, you have to say what you are going to do. And it has to be a credible threat of what you are going to do. The, the Putin invasion of Ukraine looks an awful lot like the Saddam Hussein invasion of Kuwait. April Gillespie was working for the U.S. State Department at the time, and she apparently said to Saddam Hussein's people, you know, if we, we have no interest in border disputes in this particular region of the world. So if you go into Kuwait, meh. And Saddam Hussein took that to mean, if I go into Kuwait, meh. And so he walked into Kuwait. There's been large-scale discussion over whether he misinterpreted April Gillespie or whether April Gillespie had said something different, but... That's sort of the going story. Well, that's pretty much what happened here. The West said to Vladimir Putin in 2008, we'll do nothing when you invade Georgia. In 2014, we'll do nothing when you invade Ukraine. And right now, if you invade just a little bit, we'll probably do nothing. And if you invade more than that, maybe we'll do a little bit more of something. And so Vladimir Putin miscalculated. So when Joe Biden says we prepared extensively and carefully and we were all on the same page, that's just not true. It's not true. It turns out that Vladimir Putin scared the hell out of the EU. And then the EU, again, did what it should have done in the first place. But that does not mean that his preparations were proper here because they weren't. Now, he did say some good things about Ukraine in terms of what the United States will not do, because the truth is we don't want to get into an all-out shooting war in the skies above Ukraine. There have been calls by really just one senator and one member of Congress to establish a no-fly zone above Ukraine. That would be a bad idea. The reason it would be a bad idea is that would mean that the United States and Russia would essentially be in, a, in an actual state of military warfare. We're in economic warfare right now. It would be an actual war with Russia where we would send American planes to establish a no-fly zone above Ukraine. And Joe Biden understands that the American public isn't into that and that we shouldn't be risking a broader war with Russia over what will likely turn into a large-scale guerrilla war for the next decade. So here is Joe Biden talking about what the United States is not going to do. Let me be clear. Our forces are not engaged and will not engage in the conflict with Russian forces in Ukraine. Our forces are not going to Europe to fight Ukraine, but to defend our NATO allies in the event that Putin decides to keep moving west. And as I've made crystal clear, the United States and our allies will defend every inch of territory that is NATO territory with the full force of our collective power. Okay, well, I'm glad that he is saying that about NATO territory. It would have been much better if he had made clear what the consequences of going into Ukraine would have been for the Russians in the first place. Well, Joe Biden was putting everybody to sleep last night, and probably you fell asleep pretty easily last night because after listening to Joe Biden talk, I mean, why wouldn't you? But the question is, how well did you sleep? If it wasn't well enough, that's probably because you really need a new set of sheets. 
Here's the thing. You don't think about sheet quality. You think you just go get the thing with the high thread count. That is not how sheet quality works. You need the best quality sheets, and those come only from one place, Bowl and Branch. Bowl and Branch's signature sheets feel so soft and light, you will forget you're not actually sleeping on a cloud. They're sustainably made for uncompromising quality from field to factory. I love Bowl and Branch sheets. I got rid of all my other sheets. Honestly, they fit your mattress perfectly. It's like a big thing. Have you ever put a fitted sheet on a, on a mattress? And then halfway through the night, your face is just on the mattress because you've tossed and turned and the sheet has pulled up off the mattress. Not so with Bull and Branch. The signature hem sheets are a bestseller for a reason. We've got that buttery, soft, lightweight, organic cotton and a classic sateen weave for sheets. They get softer over time. They're not too hot. They're not too cool. And they fit your mattress the way they're supposed to fit your mattress. Bull and Branch signature sheets come in seven beautiful colors in all sizes from twin all the way on up to California King. Made to a higher standard, 100% organic cotton, ethical production, thoughtful attention to every detail, and fitted sheets that actually fit your mattress the way they are supposed to. Experience the best sheets you have ever felt at bullandbranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code Shapiro at checkout. That is bullandbranch, B-O-L-L and branch.com, promo code Shapiro. So then we get into the happy talk. Yeah, this is the happy, slappy, crappy talk from the president of the United States about Ukraine. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of overblown rhetoric when it comes to the hard facts of military power being unleashed on the ground. Ukraine now reports that at least 2,000 civilians have been killed inside Ukraine. The Russians are effectively just bombing civilian centers. This is what they did to Grozny in Chechnya in 1999-2000. So this is not a particular shock. According to the Ukrainian government, the Russians are actually preventing the evacuation of civilians actively from Mariupol which is a city along the Black Sea that has now been surrounded by the Russian forces. They're going to brutalize the civilian population until the Ukrainian government submits, is the basic idea here. It's an old style of warfare, something we thought had been left in the past, but the Russians, boxed in, feel no choice but to kill as many civilians as humanly possible, apparently, in order to cudgel the population into some state of, of surrender. And meanwhile, Joe Biden is doing happy talk. So here is Joe Biden's happy talk last night. Putin may circle Kiev with tanks, but he'll never gain the hearts and souls of the Iranian people. He'll never, he'll never extinguish their love of freedom. And he will never, never weaken the resolve of the free world. Okay, so um, first of all, Kamala Harris there mouthing Ukrainian is pretty much everything. He can't even, he, he blows the punchline there. It won't weaken the resolve of the Ukrainian people, but this kind of talk is really cheap. It's really cheap. When you say things like, Vladimir Putin is surrounding your city, but he'll never be, ex be able to extinguish the liberty in your heart. Well, he could extinguish, you know, your actual liberty. He could also extinguish your heart. Right? So there are a couple things that Vladimir Putin could extinguish. And because the West failed in the run-up here to prevent that from happening, all the talk in the world about how the light of liberty will live on in, you know, the oppressed people of Ukraine, who are now going to be enmeshed, apparently, in a years-long civil war. And really not a civil war, really a, a, a guerrilla insurgency against an invasion force from, from Russia. Joe Biden's happy talk is meaningless here. To the people of Ukraine, I don't know what that means. Measures mean something. Military materiel means something. The economic sanctions mean something. But these sorts of phrases, these sorts of high-flown phrases, they mean absolutely nothing when they are not backed by anything meaningful. And so when Joe Biden is leaving open the door to importing hundreds of thousands of barrels of Russian oil every single day, when he is doing that, and at the same time, that he is doing that. He is saying, liberty won't be extinguished in your heart. People of Ukraine must be like, what the hell? Like, there's this meme online of a drowning person and then a hand coming out to reach out to the hand of the drowning person, gives him the high five, and then the person drowns. <laughs> that, that, that's what it feels like from Joe Biden right there. Like, the people of Ukraine are like, we could use some help. Joe Biden's like, liberty will not be extinguished in your heart. High five. That's what it feels like when Joe Biden says that. Okay, so that is what he had to say on Ukraine. Then he got into the bad part of his speech. Okay, that was the best part of his speech. Then he got into the bad part. So he started talking about the pandemic. And this is where the lies begin. Because when you're the president of the United States and you've had the worst 14 months of any president of the United States ever, ever. I mean, Abraham Lincoln had a full-scale insurrection on his hands in the beginning of his administration. That wasn't caused by Abraham Lincoln. Everything bad that has happened over the last 14 months is a completely self-inflicted wound. The president of the United States is really, really bad at this. And because he is so bad at this, he has to just lie to you. He has to explain to you, actually, everything is fine. Everything is perfectly good. Not only that, we've done an incredible job. So the president starts talking about COVID-19. Here we go. We meet tonight in an America that has lived through two of the hardest years this nation has ever faced. The pandemic has been punishing. 
And so many families are living paycheck to paycheck, struggling to keep up with the rising cost of food, gas, housing, and so much more. I understand like many of you did. I understand. Okay, so this is, there's a famous sort of political gaffe that, that was, I'm trying to remember which president did it, where they read right off the teleprompter. They said, bottom line, I understand. <laughs> I feel your pain. When, when, when you have to read the stage directions like that, I understand. It means you don't understand. And people don't think that he is the, the sympathetic and empathetic old grandpa anymore. They don't think that. They think he's completely out of touch. So now he has to try and convince you that he's in touch by saying over and over, I understand. He kept saying that last night. But he clearly doesn't because the underlying message of his speech is you're all crazy. Everything is going amazing. So, for example, he then moved on to what he had done. And what he said is, I'm doing an unbelievably awesome job. I am so good at this, guys. I am unreal at this. He says, yeah, everything sucks. I understand. But in reality, somebody was happy and somebody was able to an American rescue plan. Few pieces of legislation have done more at a critical moment in our history to lift us out of a crisis. Unlike the $2 trillion tax cut passed in the previous administration that benefited the top 1% of Americans, the American Rescue Plan... The American Rescue Plan helped working people and left no one behind. It worked. We created jobs, lots of jobs. In fact, our economy created over 6.5 million new jobs just last year. More jobs in one year than ever before in the history of the United States of America. He's such an unbelievable damn liar, okay? This is where the lies begin, and they're absurd. So, first of all, that's where you get the Chuck Schumer hokey pokey right there. But... When he says, unlike the $2 trillion tax cut that only helped the people at the top, he's ignoring the fact that wage gains under the Trump administration were extraordinarily fast. We had the strongest economy in 50 years right before COVID hit. And then we had an artificial shutdown of the economy where the economy was put into a coma. And all these jobs were lost, like 8 million, 10 million, 12 million jobs were lost. And then if he had left everything alone, those jobs would have come back. But many of those jobs didn't come back. We're still a couple million jobs short of where we were before the pandemic. And that is because of Joe Biden. That is because of Joe Biden's pathetic and stupid spending policy. He paid people to stay home. He inflated the currency. He inflated prices. He put on new business regulations. He created economic uncertainty. And then he said that he's doing an amazing job. There were bipartisan studies that came out at the beginning of his administration suggesting what job growth would look like in the absence of something like the quote-unquote American Rescue Plan. And what it found is that the job growth would have been higher without the American Rescue Plan than it was with the American Rescue Plan, the so-called American Rescue Plan. He didn't create 6.5 million jobs. He didn't create one job. There's no evidence that Joe Biden has created a job. There's a lot of evidence he created an enormous amount of inflation. There is no evidence he created a single job. And Americans don't believe this. Americans don't believe, by the numbers, that Joe Biden created 6.5 million jobs. He didn't do a damn thing. All he did was make things worse. And everyone knows this. When he's ripping tax cuts for the wealthy, while simultaneously talking about blowing up the deficit, I think most people understand how stupid that is. Alrighty, folks. So Joe Biden's economic plans, they are just idiotic in the extreme, which means that things could get a lot more volatile. And if they're going to get more volatile, now would be an excellent time for you to think about refinancing that mortgage. If you haven't taken advantage of the current low mortgage rates, now would be the time because they are going to rise in the near future. Every day that passes, you know what's going to happen. We are at risk of seeing higher rates. The Fed is already talking about raising interest rates. The mortgage rates are already starting to go up. It's going to cost you money if you don't do it right now. So please find out what your options are. Get a free mortgage review, no obligation whatsoever, by calling the folks at American Financing, America's home for home loans. You're likely to save hundreds, if not thousands of bucks a month, plus tens of thousands of bucks long term. You don't have to reset your loan to get those savings. Just choose any term, 10 years and over, whatever makes sense for your budget. It really is that simple. And if you start soon, you could skip up to two payments and you could close in as fast as 10 days. Just call 866-721-3300. That's 866-721-3300 or visit AmericanFinancing.net, NMLS 182-334, NMLSConsumerAccess.org. Again, give them a call at 866-721-3300 to get started or visit AmericanFinancing.net to take a look at refinancing that home mortgage. And then he continued along these lines. So he says, you know, it was, at least we're not doing tax cuts for the wealthy. Again, the tax cuts that Donald Trump passed were tax cuts that predominantly went to the middle class. They were, they were direct. I got a tax increase under Donald Trump. I was in that top tax bracket. I was living in California. I got a tax increase because they got rid of the SALT deduction. They got rid of that state and local tax deduction. So I actually ended up paying my California income tax on top of my federal income tax. The, the, the Trump tax cuts 
were a boon for the economy, as demonstrated by the wage and job gains under Donald Trump, which accelerated dramatically from the time that Barack Obama was president. But according to Joe Biden, the only way to make the economy grow is to steal money from people and then to steal more money from the future and then to pump that money into the economy and blow up inflation. Here was Joe Biden last night. For the past 40 years, we were told the tax break for those at the top and benefits would trickle down and everyone would, would benefit. But that trickle-down theory led to a weaker economic growth, lower wages, bigger deficits, and a widening gap between the top and everyone else in, in, in nearly a century. Okay, so, I mean, he, he really doesn't even know what he's talking about here. Weaker economic growth and lower wages and bigger deficits? Explain. Really explain. None of that is true. There's not a single part of that is true. Donald Trump's administration before COVID did not experience weaker economic growth. It experienced significantly higher wages. It did not, the bigger deficits that were created were based on spending. They were not based on lack of tax revenue. We have a record amount of tax revenue every year in the United States. It's based on the fact that we have a bunch of morons in Congress who keep spending like drunken sailors at a whorehouse. And the the so-called giant gap between those at the top and those at the bottom, okay, that giant gap was created predominantly by COVID policy which did exacerbate income gaps in the United States. And then he moved on to his magical infrastructure stuff. Now, I, I am just amazed that people keep falling for this infrastructure crap. And I know that there's bipartisan support for what if we just throw money at a road? Okay, but the infrastructure deal had nothing to do with roads. Like a tiny, like 20% of the infrastructure bill was actually like roads and bridges. And the rest of it went to a bunch of boondoggle subsidies to a variety of political interest groups and I'm, I'm always bewildered as to why so many in our political class, I'm talking about the commentators now, why they always think that if, if a president just does infrastructure week, that resets things. You know how much the American people care about federal infrastructure? This much. They can pretend they like it because who doesn't like a road? Who doesn't like a bridge? But in reality, does that shift any political points? Like, that hasn't made a difference in American politics. Infrastructure week has not made a difference in American politics since Eisenhower greenlit the, the national highway system. Like, this is not a thing. If he's trying to pin his hopes for a revival of his presidency on, I spent a lot of money on a bridge in West Virginia. Good luck to you, sir. We're done talking about infrastructure weeks. We're now talking about an infrastructure decade. It's going to transform America. To put us in a path to win the economic competition of the 21st century that we face with the rest of the world, particularly China. And we'll do it to withstand the devastating effects of climate change and promote environmental justice. Environmental justice. By the way, environmental justice is code for redistribution of income along racial lines. That's what he means by environmental justice. Whenever Democrats add the word justice to another modifier, that means that they are talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion and redistribution along group lines. That's what he means. Okay? And when he says we're going to compete with China, with infrastructure, that, what is he talking about? The way that we compete with China is with innovation. We out-innovate the Chinese. The Chinese are actually really good at building giant things. They're good at that. That's the only thing they're good at. They build giant empty cities. They build bullet trains. That, like, this is what the Chinese do. It's what dictatorships have always done. Dictatorships are really good at building giant projects. They're good at building, like, a building. They're good at building a highway. Even Hitler built the Autobahn. They, you can build a giant project with centralized government power, but that's not how you compete. The way that you compete is by freeing the individual to innovate and make all the best products. That's why we kick China's ass up and down the block on economics. Not because China doesn't have enough infrastructure and we have more infrastructure. That's not how that works. Anybody who believes that the reason the United States succeeds where China fails is because we have highways is insane and stupid. It's ridiculous. Infrastructure ain't going to solve your competition problem with China. Innovation solves your, your, your problems with China when it comes to the economy. And then he continues along these lines, and he says about, it's all about but we're, we're, we're reshoring. Made in America is where it's at. Now, listen, this is a bipartisan thing. You've seen this from Republicans as well as Democrats, that when we say made in America, this strengthens the American economy. This is a myth. Depends on whether the United States is competitive. American competitiveness is what makes us competitive. Us being uncompetitive, seeking some form of autarky where we produce everything in the United States for three times the price we could get using global supply chains makes you non-competitive. I know these are, these are lovely myths that we like to tell ourselves, that if we just, if we just manufactured T-shirts here instead of in Vietnam, America would be economically stronger. That's economics 101 idiocy. That's really dumb. That's not true. The way that the United States defeats everyone else, economically speaking, is it frees everyone in the economy to do business across a wide variety of countries, creates global supply chains, yes. You try not to locate in countries that can then seize those supply chains, like China has done, countries that are opposed to the United States. 
But on a business level, if you want to outcompete the rest of the world, it's not about reshoring t-shirt making. It's not about reshoring manufacturing prowess that you can get cheaper and easier in Mexico. It's about creating new products and innovation in the United States that is going to enrich citizens of the United States, make products cheaper and more plentiful, and create new products and jobs that are the best in the world. That's why the United States is the dominant world economic power, not because we are going to reshore t-shirt making. Anyway, here's Joe Biden on this. Around and you'll see an amazing story. The rebirth of pride that comes from stamping products made in America. The revitalization of American manufacturing. Companies are choosing to build new factories here when just a few years ago they would have gone overseas. Um, okay, the, the only reason that companies are building new factories here as opposed to overseas is because you're loosening business regulations and making it a better place to do business. And that happened under Donald Trump. That didn't happen under Joe Biden. If you're subsidizing factories to come here, then you're just taking money from some taxpayers and giving it to other taxpayers. So again, this is, this is bad economics. And then he continues along with it. But then he says, you know what? I, have to I do have to acknowledge that inflation is a problem. So we're now, you know, 20 minutes into the speech, 25 minutes into the speech. And finally, he gets to the big word that he does not want to say, inflation. And his solution for inflation is just about as backwards, stupid, and insane as you would expect from an adult president of the United States who does not know what day it is. Here is the president of the United States acknowledging finally that, yeah, inflation's kind of bad. You know, at a 40-year high and all that, approaching 10% year on year. Yeah, here we go. And with all the bright spots in our economy, record job growth, higher wages, too many families are struggling to keep up with their bills. Inflation is robbing them of gains they thought otherwise they would be able to feel. I get it. That's why my top priority is getting prices under control. Is that his top priority, getting prices under control? Because as it turns out, his preferred methodology for getting prices under control is to pour gasoline on a raging inflation fire. So here is the president's actual proposal for getting inflation under control last night. And this is not smart. I mean, I wouldn't expect much to go on in that brain, but this is even less than nothing. This is, this is, this is overtly ridiculous. Here is the president. One way to fight inflation is to drive down wages and make Americans poor. I think I have a better idea to fight inflation. Lower your costs, not your wages. That means make more cars and semiconductors in America. More infrastructure and innovation in America. Economists call this increasing the productive capacity of our economy. Of our economy. I call it building a better America. <laughs> My plan to fight inflation will lower your costs and lower the deficit. And no, no. So, so just to get this straight, his plan for, for lowering inflation is to blow trillions of dollars more into an economy that already has too much money chasing too few goods. And he's going to do this by presumably blowing out taxes, which is going to decrease the capacity of the United States to produce by increasing regulation, as we'll discuss in just a second. He says he's going to make manufacturing easier in the United States. If you want to say, I can lower your cost by relieving regulation, and this will cause an increase in productivity, that makes sense. But he doesn't want to relieve regulation. He wants to raise taxes on corporations. He wants to increase regulations on corporations. He wants to unionize all of the private sector. And then he says that's going to lower costs? How? How? And then he says that he's going to lower the deficit by blowing out the spending. By the way, the Congressional Budget Office says he's a liar. The Congressional Budget Office says that if he got Build Back Better and all the programs he wants to be permanent became permanent, we would increase the national debt by $3 trillion over the next 10 years. And that is a wild underestimate. It would be significantly more than that. Lower your costs, not your wages. How, is he, how does he propose to do that? By the way, wages are a cost. Okay, when you are making it here at The Daily Wire, if I wish to lower the costs to our business, the main cost at our business is personnel. So if I'm going to lower the cost to you of a subscription, I would pre presumably I would have to lower the wages of my employee in some way. He's, he's not even speaking English. Lower your costs. Not, what other costs? Labor is an input cost. It's just absolute incoherence from this guy. But what else have we come to expect? And then, of course, he just continued to, to lie about taxes. He suggested, of course, that under his plan, nobody would pay new taxes. That, of course, is a lie. Under my plan, nobody, let me say this again, nobody earning less than $400,000 a year will pay an additional penny in new taxes. Not a single penny. 
Uh, yeah, that, that, is, that is not correct. That, that is absolutely incorrect. Okay, the, the fact is that there are many taxes that they will be paying additionally, okay, including taxes, the, the, the informal tax of inflation. So when Joe Biden says that, he's just, he's just not telling the truth. And, but of course, it's all class warfare all the way down. So then he says that the tax system isn't fair. The rich aren't paying their fair share. So he goes right back into the Barack Obama routine. And it's just boring at this point. Everybody knows this is not true. Or if you don't know this is not true, then take a look at the tax brackets, gang. The fact is that if you're in the upper quintile in the United States, the top 20%, you're paying all net income taxes in the United States. All. Okay, because net income taxes means income taxes minus what you get back from the government. If you're in the middle class, you're probably getting more back from the government than you are giving into the government, depending on how you define middle class. If you're earning $60,000 a year. Your income tax is probably not covering what you're getting back from the government in the form of services. If you're at the top of the tax bracket, it ain't even close. It's not close. The, the, the simple fact of the matter is that the United States has, by all available metrics, the most progressive tax system on planet Earth, much more progressive than Europe. Because Europe, they tax everybody at, a, at an exorbitant rate. If you're in the middle class in the United States, you pay kind of low taxes. If you're in the upper class in the United States, my last year in California, I paid over 50% of my income to the federal and state government. So, yeah, I mean, like, this is just a lie. I may be wrong, but my guess is if we took a secret ballot in this floor, that we'd all agree that the present tax system ain't fair. We have to fix it. I'm not looking to punish anybody. But let's make corporations and wealthy Americans start paying their fair share. That's why I propose closing loopholes for the very wealthy who don't pay, who pay a lower tax rate than a teacher and a firefighter. This, this is the dumbest talking point. I promise you, people who are earning the most money in the United States are paying the highest taxes. It is not close. I, I, there are members of my family who are teachers. I pay way higher taxes than those members of my family. That, that is just the reality. And he's lying to you because he has to lie to you. Okay, so Joe Biden continues along these lines. He says he's a capitalist. That, of course, is not true. So if you are sick of things that are untrue, then perhaps you should head on over to rockauto.com because here's the thing. When you go to that auto parts store, you walk up to the front, they're like, yeah, we can help you. They can't help you. They're just going to order the part online, then they're going to upcharge you. You're going to wait two weeks, and you're going to have to go back to the store. Or you could just go to the internet yourself and head on over to rockauto.com at home or in your pocket. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? Here's a random example. You got a Delphi FG1456 fuel pump assembly for a 2005 to 2010 Honda Odyssey. That's 354 bucks in advance and $216 at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Head on over to rockauto.com right now. Shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique. It's remarkably easy to navigate. And rockauto.com prices, they are reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Right now, head on over to rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Shapiro in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Meanwhile, if you haven't noticed, The Daily Wire, we are explosively growing. And I am just pumped to tell you about our brand new show. It's a sports show. So I love sports. You love sports. But you're sick of the woke on ESPN, which is just MSNBC with footballs. And you're tired of listening to all of those talk show hosts who are going to tell you that you're a bad person because you happen not to be a voter of Joe Biden. Well, no more of that. We're going to do sports without the woke. That's Crane and Company. This is our brand new sports show. It's a daily sports show hosted by former athletes and coaches Jake Crane, Blaine Crane, and David Cohn. And they are joining forces with The Daily Wire to bring you all of the sports you love with none of the woke nonsense attached. If you're looking for a place to just listen to sports without all of the woke garbage, Tune in to Crane and Company. You'll be getting in-depth sports analysis, informative interviews, predictions, wagers, constant live chat engagement with fans. Tune in live today, 3 p.m. Eastern, every weekday at dailywire.com or on YouTube. You can also listen as a podcast on Apple Podcasts or a platform of your choice. Make sure to subscribe and give the show five stars if you like what you hear so we can drive it up the charts. It's already in the top 100 podcasts. I'd love to see it in the top 10. Please help us out. Crane and Company is the name of the podcast. It is awesome. You're going to love it. It's just, it's a blast to listen to. The guys are super funny. It's really enjoyable. If you love sports, but you don't want the woke bull crap, make sure to check out Crane and Company today. Meanwhile, no book is too controversial for The Daily Wire to publish, which is why we've started our own publishing wing called DW Books. We are excited to be publishing 12 Seconds in the Dark by Sergeant Mattingly, the true story of what really happened the night of the tragic Breonna Taylor shooting. 
Mattingly is a 20-year police veteran. He takes readers inside his department's response and debunks all the lies that have been recklessly shared with the public. The Breonna Taylor shooting, of course, is the impetus for much of the Black Lives Matter movement. The story that was told is that the police basically went in and shot in cold blood an innocent woman. It's not that simple. And now the full story is being told in a world where voices like Sergeant Mattingly's are censored. I mean, this book was going to be published by an imprint of Simon & Schuster, and Simon & Schuster employees got so mad they canceled the book. We are uncanceling that book. The story is incredibly important. We're grateful to have this brave truth teller on board. Let's take a look at the trailer. It was very chaotic. It was very quick. Instantly, I knew I was shot. Breonna Taylor, she was caught in the crossfire of those bullets. As soon as your brain's registering, it's already over. The media got so many things wrong in this case, saying we had the wrong apartment, her name wasn't on the warrant, she was shot and killed in her sleep, in her bed. These are lies, this is not true, and all the while you're hearing all these outside influences from athletes and Oprah and Ellen DeGeneres and Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, all those people coming and attacking you, putting your name on their account saying he should be in prison. All these things that they have no idea what they're talking about, but they have such influence. The more we attack police for doing their job, the less good qualified police you're gonna have. When you read 12 Seconds in the Dark, you will find out the truth of what really happened the night of the Breonna Taylor raid. The book releases March 15th. It is available right now for pre-order on Amazon or anywhere you buy books online. So go get your pre-ordered copy today because I can promise you it will sell out. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Alrighty, so Joe Biden, he covered Ukraine and he covered inflation, sort of. By covering inflation, I mean that he had no solutions and his solutions are dumb. And then he decides that he is going to just rip on capitalism. So just to be straight about this, he thinks he's going to lower inflation by ripping all of the companies that provide your products. We will increase the productive capacity of the United States, apparently, by just trashing the people who actually make the products. So the president of the United States continues along these lines. He says that his plan to spend ungodly amounts of money and raise taxes is going to lower the deficit. Uh, Yeah, man, that is not going to happen. My plan will not only lower costs and give families a fair shot, it will lower the deficit. The previous administration not only ballooned the deficit with those tax cuts for the very wealthy and corporations, it undermined the watchdogs, the job of those to keep pandemic relief funds being wasted. Remember we had those debates about whether or not those watchdogs should be able to see every day how much money was being spent, where was it going to the right place? But in my administration, the watchdogs are back. Oh, the watchdog's back, man. They're back. You know how much money he's going to waste? Money that has not yet been seen by God or man, he is going to waste. Because this is what Democrats do when they're Republicans do, but particularly Democrats. And then he has his real answer to why inflation is happening. So we've heard it's supply chains, which if that were true, then inflation in the United States would be about the same as the inflation in Europe, not even close. And then he says that it's because we need to pour money into the American economy, which makes no sense. Again, this is the solution of an idiot who sees an electrical fire and is like, what if I just throw a bunch of liquid? It doesn't matter what the liquid is. Just going to throw some liquid on the electrical fire. And then we get the president of the United States suggesting that the reason inflation is happening is because of greedy capitalists. Weird. That's a weird take. The reason it's a weird take is because the suggestion is the capitalists only got greedy or selfish or self-interested or self-motivated in the last year or so. Hmm. Strange. Here's the president on this one. I'm a capitalist, but capitalism without competition is not capitalism. Capitalism without competition is exploitation. It drives up profits. And corporations have to compete. Their profits go up and your prices go up when they don't have to compete. Small businesses and family farmers and ranchers, I need not tell some of my Republican friends from those states. Guess what? You got four basic meatpacking facilities. That's it. You play with them, or you don't get to play at all. And you pay a hell of a lot more. A hell of a lot more, because there's only four. See what's happening with ocean carriers and moving goods in and out of America. During the pandemic, about half a dozen or less foreign-owned companies raised prices by as much as 1,000% and made record profits. Tonight, I'm announcing a crackdown on those companies overcharging American businesses and consumers. Price controls, yay, 1970s, they're back. Uh, good, good times, yay, price, okay. 
Uh, my favorite part of this is when he says there are four meatpacking facilities. Yes, that means it's not a monopoly when there are four. It turns out that if there is a monopoly, then that violates antitrust law. You're going to have to demonstrate how there's a monopoly. But if there's not a monopoly, then there's competition. And if there's competition, then you get to compete for the pricing. He's going to lower costs by cracking down on businesses' abilities to run. How is that going to lower costs precisely? FDR tried this. Okay, during the Great Depression, FDR tried, quote unquote, quashing profits. And you know what happened? All that happened were shortages. People were burning their grain because it was literally more valuable to them to burn the grain than to sell it. The, the, the ignorant backwardness of this. And he continues along this line. He just, he's like, I'm going to fight in, I'm going to fight in Flashy Madibu. But he's going to fight in Flashy Madibu by apparently regulating businesses, prosecuting businesses, pouring money on unions, raising the minimum wage, which somehow is going to bring down costs. You got to explain that one. Extending child tax credits, so injecting more money into the economy. Increasing Pell Grants to continue the artificial balloon that is our educational system. These are all ways to make inflation much, much worse. He's going to do all of them, apparently. Raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. And extend the child tax credit so no one has to raise the family in poverty. Let's increase Pell Grants, increase our historic support for HBCUs, and invest in what Jill, our First Lady who teaches full-time, calls America's best-kept secret, community colleges. Okay, and then he continued by suggesting we need more unions. All this is going to lower costs, guys. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's how I lower costs in my house. The way that I lower costs in my house is I just buy a ton of crap. That's the way I look. I look at my credit card bill. I see I've spent too much money. And then I go and I spend like four times as much money. And then I say, you know how much money I saved? It's amazing. Here is Joe Biden saying he's going to lower costs by driving up the price of labor artificially through unionization. Let's pass the PRO Act. When a majority of workers want to form a union, they shouldn't be able to be stopped. She's a doctor. So if Joe likes it and she's a doctor, then I guess we should listen to her. She is the best doctor in America. If you lack a community college degree, and you're having a heart attack. She can diagnose you with the, with the former. She's such a great doctor. She, she really is. Okay, then we get to Joe Biden on COVID. And this part is just galling. I'm sorry. Like, if, if you were galled at this point, buckle up because there's much, much more. So Joe Biden starts talking about COVID-19. And this is so unbelievably irritating. He's just going to pretend the last two years didn't happen. He's just going to pretend that he didn't artificially extend the length of this pandemic by a year in terms of public policy. He's going to suggest that he solved the pandemic. I'm, which is... Nutso. Nutso bazunkers. It's just crazy towns. Here he goes. For more than two years, COVID has impacted every decision in our lives and the life of this nation. And I know you're tired, frustrated, and exhausted. That doesn't even count the close to a million people who sit at a dining room table or a kitchen table and look at an empty chair because they lost somebody. But I also know this. Because of the progress we've made, because of your resilience and the tools that we have been provided by this Congress, tonight I can say we're moving forward safely back to a no, norm, more normal routines. Can't, yeah, he, the, everything is normal, guys. Norm, 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 nam, 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 Dumpster fire of flaming garbage piled atop a landfill of flaming garbage piled atop an entire planet made of flaming garbage flying through an empty cold universe toward a sun made of flaming garbage. My goodness, he is so bad at this. Like, he's, he's solving COVID, guys. He really is. He's solving COVID. Okay, so let's talk about Joe Biden solving COVID. So yesterday, he said that he wants schools open. Well, that's a change, you jackass. After letting Randy Weingarten make her educational policy for a full year, and telling you that every kid needs to be triple masked, plastic bag around the head, duct tape around the neck in order to protect a bunch of 60-year-old triple vaxxed teachers from COVID. Now Joe Biden wants the schools open. Welcome to the party, pal. Our schools are open. Let's keep it that way. Our kids need to be in school. Well, 75% of adult, 75% of adult Americans fully vaccinated and hospitalizations down by 77%. Most Americans can remove their masks and stay in the classroom and move forward safely. 
I like him reaching into his pocket. You know he's looking for the mask right there, right? He's looking for his mask so he can show you. I, I still have one, but we can re- remove it and, and bag it in. It's empty. <laughs> that wasn't the most galling thing he said about COVID. Not the, let's reopen the school's routine. You know, two years late, because we never should have closed the schools and kids never should have been masked. Then he had the temerity to say to the American people, we have to come together over COVID. This guy, who tried to get 83 million Americans in line, cudgeling every private sector employee into getting vaccinated with the power of the federal government. He tried to do that. The president, who said that the unvaccinated would experience a winter of suffering and death. The president of the United States, who essentially declared the the unvaccinated the enemy in the United States and suggested that if you didn't want to mask your children, you were unpatriotic. The president of the United States, who said that if you said that people should go about their lives and lead their lives and make their own decisions, this made you complicit with the virus. This guy says it's time to come together in unity. Here is Captain Unity over here. Let's use this moment to reset. So stop looking at COVID as a partisan dividing line. See it for what it is, a god-awful disease. Let's stop sending each, seeing each other as enemies and start seeing each other for who we are, fellow Americans. We can't change how divided we've been. There's a long time in coming. But we can change how to move forward on COVID-19 and other issues that we must face together. Unity, guys. You're a bunch of racists. You're a bunch of sexists. You're a bunch of anti-trans bigots. You're a horrible person. But let's do unity over COVID-19. Also, if you're unvaccinated, then um, you're a terrible person who has prolonged the pandemic extensively. So let me just, I I have one response to the president of the United States. It's right here in this box. Let's get together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Says the president of the United States, who has divided Americans over the course of the last year, as, as much as any president of my lifetime. More in many ways, considering he came into office on a unity platform. All righty. Then, he, so he goes right back to this, by the way. He says, let's unify. Also, Republicans oppose the right of black people to vote. What a wonderful dude. The most fundamental right in America is the right to vote and have it counted. And look, it's under assault. In state after state, new laws have been passed. Not only to suppress the vote, we've been there before, but to subvert the entire election. We can't let this happen. Okay, he, he, Captain Unity, right, right after Unity time, he goes right back to they're trying to steal elections. And if they don't let me rewrite all the federal rules, this is because they're in league with the Confederacy and Jim Crow. What, what a wonderful, unifying man he is. President Unity, my goodness. Okay, then he gets to the border. Now, he barely mentions the border here. He does like a couple of paragraphs. And at no point does he acknowledge that we had 2 million border apprehensions in year one of the Biden administration. That we had a flood of illegal immigration that has not stopped since the first day he entered office. And illegal immigrants are telling the media why they're coming. And the answer is Joseph R. Biden. That is the reason. They believe that he is not going to deport them because in many cases he is not. They believe he is soft on immigration because he is. They believe that Joe Biden has no interest in closing our border because he doesn't. So here is Joe Biden talking about the border last night. If we are to advance liberty and justice, we need to secure our border and fix the immigration system. Provide a pathway to citizenship for dreamers, those with temporary status, farm workers, essential workers. Revise our laws so businesses have workers they need and families don't wait decades to reunite. Now, there's a man who definitely has his finger on the pulse of Americans who approve of his immigration policy by a grand margin of 70% disapproving. Yeah, that's what Americans are clamoring for at this point in time is is more illegal immigration and more pathways to citizenship and and amnesty. That's what Americans are looking for. Can't you hear the clamor out there? This is where you insert the cricket noise because uh, it ain't there. It ain't there. Then he just starts with euphemism towns. So the unity president says that you're a bigot. You. Yes, you. You are a bigot. So first of all, you're a bigot if you don't want to kill babies. He won't say this. So there is one word that was conspicuously absent from the president's speech last night. That was the word abortion. Instead, we got a bunch of euphemisms. Abortion itself, by the way, is a euphemism. So is termination of pregnancy. Killing of the unborn baby would be a much more accurate way of describing what it is that you are doing. But we didn't get abortion last night. We didn't even get termination of pregnancy. Instead, we got a bunch of happy... If you had no context as to what he's talking about, you would have no idea what he is talking about right here. He's talking about abortion. If you want to go forward, not backwards, we must protect access to health care. Preserve a woman's right to choose. 
and continue to advance maternal health care for all Americans. Okay, so if you had no clue what he's talking about, you'd have no clue what he's talking about. He's talking about the vast killing of the unborn. But here are the euphemisms he used. Healthcare, which sounds to me like me going to the doctor. Preserve a woman's right to choose, which again, if you had no context, you would think that women are being forced, forced to not go to work or forced to get pregnant. And maternal health care, which sounds like he wants pregnancy wellness centers. At no point would you have any idea that what he's talking about is the killing of the unborn. Because Democrats can't say it out loud because it's just too ugly. But you're a bigot if you oppose him. You're also a bigot if you do not believe that children should be treated with hormones or convinced of gender fluidity or told when they are four years old that they might be a member of the opposite sex. If you don't believe any of those things, this is because you're a bigot and you're attacking the trans youth of America. Here's the president of the United States labeling, I would say, the vast, vast, vast majority of Americans who don't want small children indoctrinated into the garbage, stupidity, anti-biological nonsense of radical gender ideology. Bigots. Here we go. For our LGBTQ plus Americans, let's finally get the Bipartisan Equality Act to my desk. The onslaught of state laws targeting transgender Americans and their families. It's simply wrong. I said last year, especially to our younger transgender Americans, I'll always have your back as your president so you can be yourself and reach your God-given potential. Yeah, nothing says reaching your God-given potential like teaching every five-year-old in America that boys can be girls, girls can be boys. And if your parents disagree with that basic thing, then we should probably never tell them that you're experiencing some sort of confusion, confusion we may, in fact, have exacerbated and or created. You know how vile this is? You want to talk about experimenting on youth? This is experimenting on youth. Understand, when you're talking, these are all euphemisms. When he says, especially to our younger transgender, he doesn't mean people who have been diagnosed with actual gender dysphoria. He means the, the democratic take on, gen, on transgenderism is that if you say you are a member of the opposite sex, you are, in fact, a member of the opposite sex. This is their stated platform. And if you don't, indoctrinate small kids with this, this means that you're a bigot. It means that, that you somehow are standing against the progress of the Utes. It turns out that parents have a rather large stake in how their children are raised. And I understand that Democrats wish to be the force that pushes back against parental tyranny. But it turns out I don't want a bunch of moron tyrants who don't care about my kid indoctrinating my kid into some form of anti-biological nonsense so that they can feel good about themselves while confusing small children about basic biological facts. And it, the, the, posing as great defenders of children, this may have been the most galling part of this. A lot, there's so much here that was galling, but this may have been the most galling part of the speech. They spent two years telling kids to stay home, masking them up to protect themselves. They're going to football games unmasked. They're going to bars unmasked. And then they're saying that, that we got to mask up the children. They, they don't give a damn about the kids. They care about their own political, their own political support and feeling good about themselves and patting themselves on the back. Here's the president of the United States talking about the damage to children over the last couple of years. You know what it helped? You're not masking kids. Children were also struggling before the pandemic, bullying, violence, trauma, and the harms of social media. As Frances Haugen, who is here tonight with us, has shown, we must hold social media platforms accountable for the national experiment they're conducting on our children for profit. Um, so this is where he starts talking about we need to crack down on Facebook. And here's Francis Hogan, who, by the way, is just a cynical manipulator, Francis Hogan, the, the so-called Facebook whistleblower. She's not provided us any information we didn't already know. And she's been used by the media as an excuse to go after social media so they can lock down anything they don't like. That's what that's about. That's not about protecting kids. That's not what Joe Biden wants to do online. He doesn't care about that. Joe Biden cares about making sure that social media is controlled by the government. And then we got to a, a sort of bizarre point in the speech. It's, I have to say, when the president of the United States brings up his son's tragic death, Bo Biden, so Bo Biden died of brain cancer, he's brought him up in a wild number of contexts that have nothing to do with Bo Biden's death. A death in the family is not something, and a tragedy, a trauma in a family is not something to bring up publicly unless it has direct relevance to a particular situation. Joe Biden just brings up Bo Biden in order to garner sympathy. He did it after the murder of 13 service members in Afghanistan. And that's what he did. He brought up Bo Biden and suggested that the death of service members in Afghanistan was somehow equivalent to his son who served in Iraq and Afghanistan and then came home and was home for many, many years before he got brain cancer. And he suggested these were somehow the same. It was a cynical ploy then and it was a cynical ploy last night when he started talking about the veterans and veterans suffering from cancer. And then he suggested without any evidence whatsoever 
that Bo Biden had died of brain cancer because he had served in the military. The, the, the play for, for sympathy here from the president of the United States is below him. It really is. It's beneath him. And it's beneath the memory of his son. It's, it's really distasteful. And they come home, many of the world's fittest and best trained warriors in the world, never the same. Headaches, numbness, dizziness, a cancer that would put them in a flag draped coffin. I know one of those soldiers was my son, Major Bo Biden. I don't know for sure if the burn pit that he lived near, that his hooch was near in Iraq and earlier than that in Kosovo, is the cause of his brain cancer and the disease of so many other troops. But I am committed to find out everything we can. Uh, so he admits he has no evidence that Bo Biden's death had anything to do with that stuff. But he just drags out his son here because he's playing for sympathy. That's for any politician that would be distasteful. Right, left, center. That, that is distasteful stuff. Okay, he, he then concludes on his talk about cancer. And, and this is always, whenever he did this, Obama did this, it's really stupid. He says, we're going to end cancer as we know it. And fourth and last, let's end cancer as we know it. Okay, so I just have a question. Were we not going to end cancer until Joe Biden said it? Barack Obama did the same thing. And Joe Biden had said, we're going to do a cancer moonshot. Really? It, it, that's what's lacking here is the motivation. Until Joe Biden said it, we, the pro-cancer crowd was silenced last night. All of those of you, who love prostate cancer, who are just really in it to defend colon cancer, boy, did he stand up to you last night. All you corporations out there who aren't fighting cancer, all you big pharma companies who apparently want cancer to thrive, man, he stood up to you. And if we just get united on cancer, we can solve, we can lick this problem. And if he just, you know what else we should do? What we should do is we should have cold fusion. And if we don't have cold fusion, that's because there's partisan opposition to cold fusion. There must be cold fusion. Anybody who believes that politicians can solve problems like this by making pronouncements like this, or even by dumping money on problems like this, doesn't know anything. But that's what Joe Biden is counting on, you not knowing anything. Okay, then he finished up with his optimistic call because you always have to end on an up note. So he starts yelling at you, old man yelling at clouds. Let's go, President Badingadu. We will save democracy. As hard as those times have been, I'm more optimistic about America today than I've been my whole life because I see the future that's within our grasp. Oh, no, he's going to get madder at you. Keep going. He's going to get madder. Here we go. We are stronger today than we were a year ago. And we'll be stronger a year from now than we are today. This is our moment to meet and overcome the challenges of our time. And we will... As one people, one America, the United States of America. And I planet Yeah! One people, one America, United States of Dangadang. And at the very end, he, he, by the way, that's not the very end of his speech. The very end of his speech is, for some odd reason, he just says, go get him. I don't, or go get him or something. It's supposed to be inspirational, but he's almost killing over at this point. This is clip 35. protect our troops. Thank you. Go get him. Who's him? I don't know. What, what, him? Her? She? What's the preferred pronoun here? Go get him. Inspiring. Inspiring stuff from the president of the United States. By the way, the polls demonstrate uh, people were not super hot on this. According to CNN's instant poll, apparently 41% had a very positive reaction to Biden's State of the Union. That is down 10% from last year's Joint address. It was the lowest, very positive they've ever seen in the last 15 years of instant polling over at CNN. So big win for President Biden. Just a, a huge win for President Biden. So maybe the signal moment of the speech last night was the part of the speech in which Joe Biden talked about police. Because this is everything. Joe Biden's administration is a failure. The Democratic Party is a failure. They've been failing dramatically over the past two years. One of the areas they've been failing the worst is crime. So last night, Joe Biden had to take on crime because it turns out murder rates are way, way, way up in a huge number of American cities. And if they're not up from last year, they're at least even with last year or close to even with last year, which saw the most dramatic spike in murder rates in half a century. So Joe Biden had to talk about it. And so he actually switched from the Democratic slogan of 2020, defund the police, to fund the police and got a standing ovation from many of the same people who were chanting defund the police one year ago. Proven strategies like community violence interruption, trusted messengers breaking the cycle of violence and trauma, and giving young people some hope. 
We should all agree the answer is not to defund the police. It's to fund the police. Fund them. Fund them. So, yeah, that's a, that's a little odd. That's a little odd. They, they, now they're all cheering the stuff that, that you weren't supposed to say. Turns out the police are the good guys again. That's exciting. If only Joe Biden would call off his DOJ, which has been routinely going after police departments in an attempt to cudgel them into less policing. It, it, it's so much dissembling. It's so much dishonesty. It's it, no wonder the American people were not buying this in any serious way. Now, there's one more sort of controversial moment of the speech. And that, of course, was this moment when Joe Biden was talking about veterans dying and Lauren Boebert from Colorado, she got up and she could not contain herself and she yelled something true at the president of the United States. She said, yeah, like the 13 Americans in Afghanistan. So here's what that looked like. They come home, many of the world's fittest and best trained warriors in the world. Never the same. Headaches, numbness, dizziness. A cancer that would put them in a flag-draped coffin. I know. One of those... People are booing there and they're upset because Lauren Boebert got up and said, 13 of them? She's right. She's right. You know, one word that didn't get mentioned this entire speech, Afghanistan. Now, I was told that that was a signal foreign policy triumph for this administration. I was told that that was a big win for Joe Biden. After all, we haven't seen Americans in Afghanistan for the first time in 20 years. All that took was mass starvation, thousands of Americans left behind enemy lines, 13s at American service people, trillions in blown American weaponry, thousands of American deaths over the course of 20 years for no reason, apparently, because of Joe Biden. He didn't mention that word once. Nothing about the 13 American service people who died in Afghanistan. Not one word. It just disappeared from Joe Biden. If you had just watched this speech, you would not have known that this happened last year. So everybody's yelling at, at Lauren, oh, how could Lauren Boebert do that? Lauren Boebert happens to be correct. And if you don't like that Lauren Boebert said that, then maybe you shouldn't have elected a president who got 13 American service people killed for no reason other than his own pathetic vanity. Uh, you know what, honestly, uh, when it comes to the State of the Union, I much prefer the British system. So if you ever watch the British House of Commons, you'll have the prime minister and he will come over and he'll do speeches and people will just yell at him. <laughs> and it's great. I would much prefer that to this, this monarchic, stupid institution where we all have to pretend not to say anything disrespectful. How dare Lauren, Lauren Boebert point out a true thing about Joe Biden? I mean, he's busy. He's up there lying, guys. You can't disturb him while he's lying. You can't disturb him ever because if you disturb Joe Biden, who knows? He might pop awake and the crypt will open. And he'll shout, and then the crypt will close. Just, man, that's the guy you elected. That is, well done, America. Really, just impressive, impressive stuff. Impressive, impressive stuff. All righty, we'll be back here later today with an additional hour of content. Coming up soon is The Matt Walsh Show. It airs 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to check it out over at dailywire.com. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Help spread the word about The Ben Shapiro Show by giving us a five-star review and sharing the show with a friend. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out some of our other Daily Wire shows. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our production manager is Pavel Wydowski. Associate producer, Bradford Carrington. Editing is by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Crand. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today in the Matt Wall Show, as war continues to rage in Ukraine, our media asks the important question, how will this affect trans people? Also, Joe Biden delivers his State of the Union speech. It was a pointless spectacle, aside from one significant moment that we will discuss today. Plus, Russia is banned from the World Cup. That sounds fine to me, but didn't we just hold the Olympics in China? There would seem to be some inconsistency here. Plus, in our daily cancellation, the creator of the 1619 Project gets herself canceled again, and I'll explain why. It's a doozy. All of that and much more today on the Matt Wall Show.